And uh, I, I appreciate this question. And I've heard this this slogan before in the Uhuru movement that all roads lead to Uhuru. And certainly the road that that I found myself on in my life, um, in so many ways, was was leading me into the the embrace of the African Revolution at one point or another. You're listening to Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3. Reparations now! Uhuru, you are listening to the White Lies Shattered Podcast and FM radio show. My name is Brennan McCoy, and today I am hosting White Lies Shattered, which broadcasts weekly on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. White Lies Shattered, also known as Reparations in Action, is a program of white solidarity with Black Power. Currently, we are in a podcast series exposing the insidious lies we learn as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. I'd like to start today by uh, saluting Chairman Amalia Shetela and the African People's Socialist Party for leading the African Revolution and developing the theory of African internationalism and the understanding of the colonial mode of production. African internationalism is the theory and worldview of the African working class that guides the struggle for African liberation and which we credit for all of the understandings and analysis provided on this podcast. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. Uh, Black Power 96 is not just explaining the world, but changing it. You can get the app for Black Power 96 on Google Play or the Apple App Store and listen wherever you are located. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, as well as one of the Uhuru Three, along with the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party, Omalia Shetela, and chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, who were indicted by the DOJ back in April of this year with the bogus accusation that they are unregistered Russian agents. We'll hear about the attacks the FBI conducted on the Solidarity Center in St. Louis, Missouri, as well as the political context in which they were carried out. I'll also ask Jesse about his history with the Solidarity Movement and if there are any updates on these indictments. With that, I'd like to welcome our guest, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and one of the Uhuru Three, Jesse Neville. Thank you for joining me. Uhuru, Brendan, thank you for having me. Uhuru. So uh, to start off, how did you find out about the Uhuru Movement? Uh, What made you want to get so involved? Well, first, I, I um, deeply appreciate the opportunity, as always, to participate in the Reparations in Action and, and White Lies Shattered podcast. And I want to extend a salute to Black Power 96.3 FM, this incredible radio station uh, where this podcast is aired, as well as to the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omali Shatella and Deputy Chair Onazanea Shatella and uh, the African People's Solidarity Committee Chairwoman Penny Hess, who I know is also a regular on this uh, incredible podcast series. And uh, I, I appreciate this question. And I've heard this, this slogan before in the Uhuru movement that all roads lead to Uhuru. And certainly the road that, that I found myself on in my life um, in so many ways was, was leading me into the, the embrace of the African revolution at one point or another. Um, I came of age during the era of the George W. Bush administration. That was when I first became uh, politically conscious, even on a very limited level that I was able to at that time. Uh, I, I saw the U- U.S. 
invade Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was very outraged about what the United States was doing with its imperialist wars around the world and uh, wanted to be involved in opposing that and, you know, tried to get involved in protests and, and was searching for some way to become politically active in order to take a stand against what this government was doing to peoples around the world. And, and also began to understand on a very basic level that there, there was something deeply wrong in this country with the conditions of African people. And I didn't understand what to call it. I'm sure I thought it was just what you would call racism. So I, I thought to become an anti-racist was the right thing to do as a white person to unlearn racism. Um, but I was looking for, for some way to, to be involved in taking a stand to change this reality and didn't really know what, what the right way was, especially as a white man, which is like the ultimate example of who you think of when you think of the colonizer that, you know, par- leads and participates in the colonial oppression of humanity and, and benefits from this social system. I mean, people refer to this system as the white man. So as a white man, it was something I was, I didn't understand what was the correct uh, and principled relationship for me to have to the struggles of, of oppressed people. And when I was a student in 2009, I picked up a flyer that was promoting a presentation that was being given by Penny Hess uh, at the New College in Sarasota, which is actually a college that probably would not allow such a presentation to take place today because of the attacks that are happening on the ability for African history to even be taught. And that college in particular was one of the targets of that. But she was speaking about how colonialism is the thing destroying the environment. And that subject intrigued me. I was also aware of the environmental crisis. So to have somebody explain that it was colonialism and what does that even mean and, and, and all that I wanted to go see her speak and I was blown away. I was not expecting to hear a white woman walk out on stage and for an hour just expose the whole history of this system and what white people have done to African people and indigenous people and colonized people and the brutality and the pillage and the rape and lynchings and slaughter and enslavement and how that, how that built our wealth and prosperity and that she was making a call to other white people if we can hear this message to do more than just nod our heads and say we agree but to join organization an organization under the leadership of the african people's socialist party and that was just a few months before i met the leader of that organization chairman amali shatella he was speaking at the university that i was attending at that time and i went to see him speak and it was an amazing day of my life. I mean, I got to meet Chairman Amali Shatella and also see him uh, in a setting where he was sitting on stage being interviewed by somebody from the library. And behind him was a slideshow with pictures of all of the milestones in his revolutionary life going back to the 1960s and showing how this incredible leader had been fighting for decades for African people to have self-determination to uh, have power and control over their own lives. And that was what, what won me into the movement. I was deeply moved by the seriousness of the African People's Socialist Party, its theory, its organization, the brilliance of, of its members of the African working class. And, and then, of course, its message for white people that 
that we can take a stand, that we can go beyond just sitting around trying to unlearn our racist ideas, which have no material impact on the conditions that we have versus the conditions that African people have, but that we can actually be a part of the anti-colonial struggle by going into the white community and winning other white people to pay reparations, to unite in genuine solidarity with the African revolution. So that was, that was my, my journey, which I think is probably not different from most other white people who, right. who come into this movement. And yeah, and I'd actually like to, to kind of agree with that, that line that, you know, all roads lead to Uhuru. I, I remember the first time meeting you mm-hmm. and, and an invitation to just come to this event at this place. And I heard the chairman speak. I heard Chairwoman Penny speak. And, uh, and I remember, I think at an event right after that, I heard you speak. And, and these are, you know, kind of critical moments, I think, in people's lives where they yeah. gain such a crucial understanding of the world. Um, so, so, so moving on, um, as the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, um, what exactly does that all entail? And can you talk about uh, the importance of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement on a political level? What makes this movement so special? Absolutely. So as many of our listeners may already know, the word Uhuru means freedom in Swahili. And the Uhuru movement is the worldwide movement of the African working class led by the African People's Socialist Party and its founder and leader, Chairman Omali Shatela, whose goal is the total liberation and unification of Africa and African people everywhere under the leadership of the African working class. And their goal is the end of the colonial mode of production, this economy that was created on the backs of African people through their stolen lives and labor and resources and land, and the stolen land and genocide committed against the indigenous people, and to reclaim power over the destinies of of their people and of their children. And they formed the Solidarity Movement, first with the creation of the African People's Solidarity Committee in 1976, uh, as a way to extend the anti-colonial struggle for black power into the white oppressor, colonizer nation population. And that was something that had never been done before. And it's, it's often talked about that what Chairman Omali Shatela set out to do because he was a part of first the civil rights movement and then the black power movement in the 1960s. He was a key part of it. He was the Florida leader of the student nonviolent coordinating committee and went on to form a a very influential organization in the South called JOMO, the Hunt of Militant Organizations in the sixties and is well known for having torn down the racist mural that used to hang in in the wall of city hall in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, but what, what his goal was in the aftermath of the, the military defeat of the Black Revolution of the 1960s was to complete that revolution, to rebuild that revolution. And I just want to quickly mention that Chairman Omali Shatela's analysis and summation of the fact that the revolution of the 1960s had been defeated is extremely important for, for us to understand because no one else had really summed it up that way. And, you know, honestly, when I was growing up, when I learned about the Black Panther Party or Malcolm X or even Martin Luther King and people like that, uh, it was like 
I, I learned about it in the form of black and white images from a bygone era. And there was sort of no explanation given for why it ended. And, and that they succeeded. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you're left to believe. You're left to believe, well, they must have gotten what they were fighting for. And Problem now solved. everything's better now. And there's an African president and everything's cool. So, uh, but to the contrary, and that's really what we were taught, you know, right. but to the contrary, what the chairman exposed is that that revolution, it didn't go out of style. Uh, it didn't gain, it, it was not victorious. It was defeated. It was militarily defeated. And that's what, what they call Pro. but that was only a part of it. I mean, it was not just the Pro; it was the CIA, the local police departments all throughout this country, the IRS, you know, uh, every facet of the colonial state apparatus was deployed um, and the white left and, you know, everything was deployed to crush the African revolution of the 1960s and that is, it's in the aftermath of that, the assassination of Fred Hampton in 1969, um, the assassinations of more than 30 members of the Black Panther Party and the uh, jailing of over 300 members of the Black Panther Party and so much more that Chairman Omali Shatella made it his mission to rebuild and complete that revolution. In order to do that, he had, he had to solve the problems that were left unresolved from the 1960s. So these were theoretical problems, organizational problems, strategic problems that the African revolution of the 1960s had no time to solve because it was such a young and, and vibrant movement that arose so quickly that was almost immediately under the gun of U.S. imperialism. So they didn't have time to solve so many problems. And that's why the chairman made it his mission to solve those problems, to form the organization necessary and one of the problems that he dealt with was white people, the role of white people. What is the right, right, the right relationship for white people to have to this revolutionary struggle of African people? And that had been a problem that had plagued the black revolution historically, where, you know, what white people try to do, because we are the colonizers, we do sit on the pedestal of the oppression of African people on the backs of the enslavement of African people. So what we do, generally speaking, we get involved and in the name of solidarity, we try to hijack the movement, lead it from behind, lead it from in front, lead it from some direction. You know, we try to take it over. We try to set the terms for it and control the resources and where the resources go and stuff like that. And that's because there's a material basis of our opportunism that our short-term material well-being and existence is built on this colonial mode of production. So as Chairwoman Penny Hesse said, left to our own devices, we will always succumb to opportunism. And that's why the, the chairman said, well, white people who truly want to be on the right side of history have to be under the leadership of the African revolution, under the leadership of the African working class. And we have an assignment to go back into the white community, not to try to go into colonized communities as a white savior, but to go into the white community as black power in white face and bring this message of African internationalism, white solidarity with black power and unity through reparations to the white community and win white people to see our genuine interests in standing on the side of the African revolution. And that is what the Uhuru Solidarity Movement does. And we have members in over 140 cities and we're growing. And this is a message that Chairman Amali Shatella has been 
advocating for 50 years and it, it is one that that is resonating with millions of people around the world it's powerful it's such a such an important perspective that that i think that you know the organization provides white people so like chairman amalia chatella and chairwoman penny hess um you have a you have a unique perspective on what happened on July 29th. Can you can you tell us about uh, your experience when the FBI violently attacked the movement that day? Yes. So July 29th, uh, 2022, at 5 a.m., um, myself and Amanda Carlozzi, who is the vice chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, we happened to live in the apartment which is the second floor of the Uhuru Solidarity Center. And the Uhuru Solidarity Center is actually where we are right now, recording this interview. Right. Uh, and this, this is a building owned by the African People's Socialist Party that was acquired to provide an organizing space in the white community for us to win white people to reparations. And it's, it's a powerful building. It has a banner out front that says, Unity Through Reparations. And at 5 a.m. on July 29th of last year, uh, we were asleep, admittedly, and um, we were woken up by the sound of uh, a kind of, you know, collision of sounds all happening at once, which included flashbang grenades exploding, uh, a loud banging noise, which was a battering ram coming through the door, and a voice on a loudspeaker outside saying, this is the FBI. Uh, come out with your hands up and nothing in your hands. This is the FBI. So we came down the stairs. And as we came down the stairs, the battering ram had already gone through the door and was protruding up the stairway. The battering ram was attached to the back of a, an armored vehicle, which was being driven, or in the front, actually, which was being driven into the door because these were heavy doors. So they, they were... Um, and, and then we were met with, uh, many, many, uh, assault rifle toting SWAT team, um, militarized forces who were aiming their weapons at us and handcuffed us and proceeded to, uh, ransack the Uhuru Solidarity Center and the apartment upstairs for six and a half hours. And, uh, uh of course we were soon to find out, which immediately when, when this happened, we assumed that it was also happening at other locations, first and foremost, at the yeah. home of Chairman Amalia Chatella. And of course, that turned out to be true. Uh, the chairman is the primary target of this, this vicious attack that the U.S. government is desperately attempting to make to try to crush this movement. And he was uh, brought down the stairs, similar fashion, but uh, you know, they aimed the rifles at his chest and had the red laser sights of their guns trained at his chest so that um, they could demonstrate that they had the power of life and death death over him and that if he were to stumble even ever so slightly as as Bobby Hutton was accused of having done uh, in the 60s that they could kill him and we we really consider what happened on July 29th um, a thwarted assassination attempt um, and that's that's basically what happened at the same time they were raiding, uh, and, and Deputy Chair Onizanea Chatella, she and the chairman were also handcuffed. They were told to sit on the curb, which they didn't do, which was obviously an attempt by the FBI to try to degrade them and humiliate them in their community. They had, and this was a full-scale mil military uh, occupation 
of their community. I mean, this was not uh, a guy in a briefcase coming in a suit and tie and sunglasses saying, I'm the FBI, we have a search warrant. Uh, this was a SWAT teams and, and, you know, soldiers that came that day in armored trucks. And it also involved the uh, St. Louis police. So it involved local police as well. And they did the same thing to Chairwoman Penny Hess and Kitty Riley's house on the South side, the Uhuru house in St. Petersburg, Florida, where they had like at least 50 FBI agents, um, and, uh, you know, an army of, of FBI agents invade that, that space. And also, uh, the, um, home of director Akile and I, so it was seven homes and properties total that were raided that day. And, um, this was all part of the absolutely bogus indictment, which has now come out as of last April, as you mentioned, making the incredibly offensive and slanderous charge that Chairman Omalia Shatella, a freedom fighter for African people for more than 60 years of his life, whose most profound and well-known contribution to the world is in fact that he has fought for and reclaimed African people's agency over their lives. They are agents of themselves. They are agents of Africa. They are agents of the African working class that he is somehow a Russian agent. I mean, it's so preposterous that it it feels wrong to even talk about. Like it's so ridiculous, but that's why we're demanding that that these charges be dropped. Yeah. So, so attacks like these aren't on on the African community aren't really anything new. But this, the attack on the FBI going out of their way to attack the solidarity movement mm-hmm. and the, the solidarity committee. Um, why do you think they went ahead and attacked these organizations and, and what kind of strategic, what made them have to have to go ahead and do that? What strategic, you know, what, what strategic aspect of these organizations made that necessary? Yeah, that's an important question. I mean, uh, to, to reiterate, point I was making earlier, uh, it's very clear that the primary target of this U.S. government counterinsurgency assault on the Uhuru movement and the African revolution is Chairman Amali Shatella, and that they are attempting to uh, Im- imprison Chairman Amali Shatella the same way that they went after Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Paul Robeson, um, so many other powerful African leaders who stood up for, for African people. And at the same time, one of the things that the chairman has done through the work to build the solidarity movement is break the isolation that the U.S. government attempted to impose on the African revolution with the counterinsurgency of the 1960s. So in the 1960s, when the African revolution was being gunned down in the streets, there was little to no organized response and resistance from the white community. There were white people who marched and who protested, but there wasn't an organized uh, political response from white people as white people standing up in solidarity with the African revolution. And that's one of the things that the party has done with the creation of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and the African People's Solidarity Committee. And clearly, the U.S. government thinks, and they're wrong, but they think that by attacking this building, 
by attacking Chairwoman Penny Hess, by attacking APSC and the Improved Solidarity Movement, that while they make this primary attack on the chairman, that they will also manage to scare white people away from wanting to defend the Uhuru movement and wanting to stand with the Uhuru movement. And that has not happened. In fact, more white people have come forward. The Uhuru Solidarity Movement is continuing to grow. We are preparing to hold days of reparations to African people all throughout this country. We are on a branch building and recruitment drive right now. And there's been an incredible response from thousands of white people who can see that when the African revolution wins, it will unravel the entire colonial capitalist system that is responsible for the oppression of the vast majority of the people on the planet Earth. And that's the world we want to live in. Absolutely. So from my understanding, um, the, the FBI raided um, the, the, with the, the bogus accusation, like the, the reason they raided, according to them, was uh, the leaders of the movement were, quote unquote, unregistered Russian agents. Is this the charge that the DOJ um, indicted the Uhuru Three on? Um, in essence, yes. There's there's two charges that the Department of So-called Justice has levied against the chairman and and uh, the Uhuru Three, and that includes one count of 18 U.S. Code Section 371, which is conspiracy to commit an offense against or defraud the United States government. <laughs> And one count of 18 U.S. Code Section 951, which is acting as an agent of a foreign government and foreign officials, and as they put it, to wit the Russian Federation and officials of that government without prior notification to the attorney general as required by law. And uh, that law is actually something that came out of the Espionage Act, and it is referred to by the Department of Justice as espionage light. So if this whole thing wasn't already absurd and ridiculous enough already, what basically what we're looking at is that the US government is attempting to make the bogus case that Chairman Omalia Shetela is a super secret Russian spy. And it, it is laughable. Sounds like an excuse. It's obviously just a cover through which they are attempting to make the, the real target of their attack, which is to uh, once again try to bring down the struggle of African people for, for freedom and, and independence and control and power over their own lives. But as Chairman Amali Shetela said, African people are not going back. This is not going to be Pro all over again, because this time the African revolution will win. Absolutely. And, and it's incredibly motivating to hear it when you put it that way. Um, so, so kind of just to, to finish up, um, where can I find uh, more information about this uh, and, and what can I do? What can people at home do? What can everybody listening do to, to help out, to support the Uhuru movement, to support the African People's Socialist Party and, and the fight for black liberation? Where you can find more information is uh, handsoffuhuru.org for more information about the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa campaign. And I want to salute Chair Mwesi Odom, who leads that campaign. There's a lot you can do. You can volunteer, you can hold days of action, you can be a part of mobilizing for a major national mobilization on the White House that's going to be happening in November. And all of this is to put front and center on, on the minds and from the mouths of every white person, if you consider yourself a socialist, an anti-imperialist, a progressive, a revolutionary, if you're for free speech, 
our demand in this period must be drop the charges against the Uhuru three, hands off Chairman Omali Yeshitala. Hands off Uhuru. So thank you so much, Chair Jesse. This was an excellent interview. I really enjoyed that. And again, um, handsoffuhuru.org for, for more information and, um, and resources, figure out how you can help and, and what you can do. Um, so thank you, everyone listening. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of White Lies Shattered. This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. We'd like to thank our team of volunteers. Our sound engineer is Aaron Loss, who also composes our theme music. Our research coordinator is Alex Pletcher. Reparations in Action is produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson out of the Black Power 96 studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Burning Spear media director Akile Anayi and the station that is not just explaining the world, but changing it, WBPU-LP St. Petersburg, also known as Black Power 96, and the station manager, Mr. Eddie Maltzby. If you like what you've heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to join our volunteer team, please email us at ria at blackpower96.org. That's ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to Chairman Omalia Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party, without whose relentless leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible.